0: Less than 9% of the 300 million tons of plastic produced every year is actually recycled. In order to change this, we must first see a change in consumer behavior. In today's episode of the Back podcast, we explore how the everything as a service economy stands to be a vital tool to create a more sustainable society, alongside how this economy is impacting consumer culture on a wider level. To do this, we are joined by Lincoln Lincoln, head of global sales and customer success at CloudBlue. We kick off the show by discussing the rise of subscription services, and Lincoln shares the example of Stellantis, a global automaker which he claims generates 20% of its revenue from subscription services for their cars. With this new approach to a subscription-based model, Lincoln argues that the days of buying cars with a one-time purchase and watching it depreciate as you drive it out of the forecourt are over. He also shares how features in cars are now sold as subscriptions, such as BMW announcing that heated seats can now be used as a pay-as-you-go service, so you can turn it on during winter and off during summer, meaning you only pay for what you want when you want it. Additionally, Lincoln highlights how the everything as a service economy is raising our expectations and demands as consumers. And finally, we discuss how subscription services stand to increase sustainability by encouraging the production of products that stand the test of time and discourage models such as planned obsolescence. Here we are, and I hope you enjoy today's show.
1: Uh, So my name is Lincoln. I'm the head of global sales and customer success at CloudBlue, which essentially means I am responsible for the revenue at CloudBlue and the full customer journey. Everything from prospective customers that are exploring all the way through to ensuring that those customers have a long and successful journey and partnership with cloud Blue. Cloud Blue is a technology platform at its core. We underpin some of the largest cloud marketplaces in the world, and they're the big telcos, the big managed service providers, the big distributors. In fact, even our, our parent, Ingram Micro, uh, their cloud marketplace, of course, is underpinned by our technology. And in fact, that's one of the largest, if not the largest, cloud marketplace in the world. So what we do by um, forming the technology that underpins the marketplace is bringing IP owners. So those that manufacture technology onto a platform. So you know classic examples are your Microsoft or your semantics or your trends, bringing those IP owners, those tech vendors onto a platform, into a community. And then allow for that community, that marketplace, to be sold by a service provider or go-to-market ecosystems, as we call it. So those go-to-market ecosystems are those telcos, those um, managed service providers, those distributors, uh, and so on, who need a marketplace to be able to sell all of those third-party services and, and their own as well, everything from the onboarding of those technologies to the billing of those technologies through to the provisioning of those technologies so that end-to-end life cycle where um, service providers are wanting to sell their own and other third-party digital services.
0: Fantastic well yeah thank you so much for joining me today Uh, on this show we cover every corner of technology that exists and admittedly this is Kind of an area that I feel has been a bit neglected by the show just because it's it feels like something that is going to be just so big in our future. Um, so I'm really happy to have you on here and discussing this today. And I'd really love to start with quite a basic question. Uh, I mean, you touched upon it there, but like, would you be able to explain to our listeners, like, what this uh, that everything as a uh, service economy is and like how it works, maybe in a more granular detail?
1: Yeah, it's uh, I mean, all of us use. Uh, the products and services that come from the anything-as-a-service economy. So we're all familiar with it, even if we're not uh, clear on the definition of the term. But it's basically the way products are sold as a service. So transforming, you know, classic products into uh, selling services. You know, and just take your everyday life. Right. Uh, no longer are you booking a one-time taxi and flagging it down in the rain on the side of the street but instead you're using your application you're paying for that as a gig that's where the gig economy comes from as a service as a gig and um you know even with the likes of uber they have a subscription uber one you know that that can be paralleled into almost any uh, industry you know uh, no longer do we go to the video store to buy a video but we subscribe to netflix or prime or or uh, Stan or whatever the, the choice of entertainment entertainment subscription might be. But it's, it's further reaching than that, you know, but cars. You know, you look at uh, Stellantis, part of the Chrysler organization, 20% of their revenue comes from subscriptions today. You know, gone are the days of just buying a car, one-time purchase, and watching it depreciate as you walk off the, uh, or drive off the forecourt. But instead, um, you know, you're you're buying cars or components within the car as a subscription. You know, BMW just announced recently that, you know, if you want heated seats in your car, you buy it as a subscription. It's not a feature that you add on to the purchase in the first place. It's a subscription that you turn on or off, on during winter, off during summer. Um, And so you just see this anything as a service economy exploding as all of those classic products that we want once purchased as one time, as being purchased and sold as a reoccurring event, uh, monthly, weekly, or however it it might be. And the options around that and the flexibility around that and the channels in which they're purchased are just endless. I'd love to dive into any of of those examples, but um, yeah, it's an exciting time and it's changing the way in which we buy and consume and enjoy uh, products and services.
0: Yeah, I think those examples you highlighted uh, really stuck out for me because they're things that everyone can relate to. And I'm curious really to know like, how the pandemic has changed this and how this economy has been shaped over the past five years because like the pandemic has hit us in so many spaces. And I'm, I have some theories myself, but I'd love to hear from, from you personally like, how you've seen the pandemic in the past five years shape this economy
1: yeah i mean short answer is it accelerated it massively what we expected to see in five to ten years we saw in three months and what i mean by that is everything kind of had to go online very quickly as people went into lockdown all of a sudden you know my shopping uh, the appointment with the doctor or whatever it might be everything went online so organizations had to massively rush towards converting static one-time individual purchases that might have been done in in person to online and uh, reoccurring subscriptions so massive massive adoption and that's where you know you you hear of organizations regardless of industry talking about digital transformation and that's what we spend most of our time talking to those uh, organizations that are exploring it's how they are transforming their business to sell in that reoccurring subscription digital economy, and um, yeah, we we saw organisations, all, all sorts of new organisations. You know, historically we work with the big telcos and the big distributors, but you know, all sorts of new types of organisations that were looking to move towards as a, an as a service uh, economy because they they had to. So, you know, you you look at Staples or Office Depot or some of the big retailers, all of a sudden their shops were closed down and their online business had to keep up with the uh, demand of that channel, that medium for purchase. So, uh, uh, you know, products that might have been sold in the past as a subscription online, like a license of Office 365, maybe that wasn't too disruptive, but now I'm wanting to sell a computer. And uh, sell that as a subscription. Uh, you know, how do I? What was typically again just a one-time purchase, a bit of hardware. How do I evolve my business to suddenly sell that? Well, the likes of Staples and Office Depot partner with Cloud Blue to to be able to offer that and uh, sell it as a subscription. And and they had to reinvent their business altogether. You know, that it's not just a technology enablement. It's the salespeople and how they sell online or third-party marketplaces. It might not be just the marketplace of a Staples, but a third-party marketplace. Maybe they want to sell through the the, um, AWS or Amazon marketplace or the Azure marketplace or the Salesforce app store. So suddenly they need to connect into new channels. So again, massive disruption, but it was those that were able to exploit uh, the opportunity that not only survived the pandemic, but absolutely thrived. And uh, those industry lines have really blurred as a result. Uh, technology vendors that might've been hardware, seen themselves as hardware vendors in the, in the past, they're now very much software vendors and as a service vendors. And um, it extends to, to many industries beyond, of course. Yeah,
0: I, I think what you said with the, the fact that it accelerated it so quickly, that, that was really fascinating to see. And I'm wondering as well, like what the next five years will look like. Do you think that we'll see the same level of growth? Or do you think that because we were in a state of like such necessity then that uh, it just drove the growth? And now that as we kind of come out of the pandemic, do you think that uh, this kind of acceleration will slow down or only speed up? Like, how do you foresee it happening over the next five years, would you say?
1: I I think it will speed up. Right. You know, as consumers, we've become more demanding than ever. Right. We've got used to the products and services that we buy to be available instantly, be of a a good quality, um, but also be challenge us, you know, not, not just be static or perpetual, but grow with us. Right. Um, uh, You know, you, you, you take, peloton as an example right no longer do i just buy a, a an exercise bike but i'm now expecting this device to that i'm riding to challenge me challenge my fitness goals and come up with new content new routines new exercise uh, routines new content so as a consumer i'm more demanding than i've ever been before i expect these products and services to be available or Uh, available near instantly and i expect them to grow with me and challenge me so organizations are having to uh, evolve themselves you know uh an exercise bike of yesterday can can no longer survive by just being an exercise bike right it needs the it needs to partner with adjacent industries so that it has the content and the um, audio visual and everything else required to attract the, uh, the the customers and the markets that it's seeking to to sell into, and that Peloton example extends in in into many other industries as well. Whether it's the car that I'm buying, it needing to be able to change color like a chameleon uh, to Miami pink on a Thursday, you know, if it doesn't do that, then I'm trading it in for the new BMW e ink. So yeah, as consumers, we're being more demanding. And therefore, as organizations, we're needing to be able to deliver uh, our products and services in a way that those consumers demand. And that is represented in the business world as well, not just the the consumer world. So it'll continue to accelerate for as uh, long as you and I and everyone else is demanding that we get these products and services immediately
0: hopefully you're enjoying the show. And if you are, make sure you subscribe and never miss an episode. You can find us on all your usual podcast sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and a whole lot more, including YouTube. And we want to hear what you think, so be sure to leave us a review. Just search Brains Bite back wherever you get your podcasts. I'm kind of excited to see what happens. Uh, like, It's difficult when that, that expectation is set because it's, <laughs> I suppose you're constantly chasing, trying to raise higher and higher and faster and faster, which can be um, difficult or unsustainable. But at the same time, I realise that there is um, some promise when it comes to sustainability because I actually uh, saw in a recent blog post on your website that you folks stress the importance of society shifting away from a linear use it up and throw it away model. And instead, in favor of a service-based circular economy, I would really love to understand um, in your own words, like, can you share what exactly is a service-based economy and how it can help with sustainability?
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, less than 9% of goods, hardware, software is, is recycled. So there's a, there's a continuous problem that's uh, ever growing and the circular economy looks to help solve for that you know as you would have known right when you buy a a printer and it comes with the the ink now sometimes it's cheaper to buy a new printer that comes with the ink than buying the refill for the previous printer and we had you know they had this terrible habit of disposable a disposable economy i buy stuff to to throw it away because it's cheaper uh, to do so well the the, the whole concept of the circular common economy is reversing that it's redesigning products to have a longer life and ensuring that manufacturers can make more revenue by offering their products as a service. So rather than selling it as a one-time, selling that printer as a subscription. It should be good for the customer because you know they, they, they pay as they go, but it's also good for the manufacturer as well. If, if I'm selling a printer as a service, then it's in my interest for that asset to be used for as long as possible. I wanna sweat that asset because I'm still getting the same monthly reoccurring fee regardless of that asset being thrown out. So the longer I can sweat that asset, the longer I can use that asset, it's actually better for me as a manufacturer. And that was always the problem in the, the past that countered that, right? It was the concept of planned ob- obsolescence that uh, it was in my interest as a manufacturer to sell product, retire product, replace product. And uh, that's where my extension strategy or my continued revenue path would come from. So the the service-based circular economy is designed to help make it a win-win for both the consumer and and the manufacturer.
0: You know, I think the more this conversation goes on, the the clearer it is that there are so many benefits to this, and this is such a a necessary and essential step forward. But of course, like anything, nothing is perfect. So I would really like to understand, like, what are the certain operational and technological and human challenges that face this economy, if we are to proceed with it? And could you dive a little uh, into these issues and maybe share potential solutions that you believe might be able to remedy these as we move forward?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, It does bring challenges. You know, you take a any product and you want to convert it into something as a service, you know, how, how's that sold? How's it supplied? How's it provisioned? How's it built for, you know, just take a, a simple product and, and let's maybe stick with the, uh, you know, classic technology example. Uh, I used to work at Symantec. I worked at Symantec for seven or so years and, you know, Symantec used to sell Norton and it used to sit on the, software titles shelf of um, you know an office Depot or a Home Depot or office works or you know a local retailer and in you would go to the retail outlet and uh, take Norton off the shelf go to the counter and away you go uh, out of the shop you go and the billing relationship or the relationship with the the retailer by and large is lost you you know if you were to renew then maybe you might renew over time online well, that, that's changed, right? So uh, those retailers, as an example, shrink wrap software isn't sold so much these days that it, it's sold digitally. So how do I go from selling a shrink wrap bit of software to selling it as a subscription? Well, first of all, if I'm one of those retailers, I need to onboard Norton or Symantec that the, the antivirus software that I'm selling onto a platform, onto a marketplace, that's not easy. to onboard a semantic title onto a marketplace is not easy, because Symantec, and I used to work there, I knew it would take us half a year at least to onboard that title into a telco and integrate it into their OSS and their BSS, basically their provisioning and and billing systems, and probably half a million dollars to complete that integration. so all of a sudden, I've got to onboard this product into my marketplace at great expense and great time as well, a great deal of time. Because when I'm selling it, there's a call that's made to the ISV, to Symantec, that allows me to set up the account, create the account, provision the account, and then bill for that account. And all of those are API calls. So it's not as simple as loading up a pencil and a, and a pen on a website and selling it as just a one-time thing because these products have a recurring billing element and they have to be provisioned digitally so that comes with a great technology burden and cost and um, in essence that's where actually cloud blue was born right cloud blue did all those integrations into all of those different vendors or, you know, your Microsoft's, your semantics, your trends, your DocuSigns, hundreds of them. So that if a retailer, if we keep with that shop example or a telco or a distributor wanted to onboard many of the products that they had, they could do so immediately. They could get access to that catalog immediately. So, um, you know, remove that, that 12 month cycle or nine month cycle, Uh, remove that risk of after, nine, 12 months of the product doesn't even sell anyway, remove that risk. So I can now go and sell the products and the catalog and all these digital products and services that I wanted to and onboard my own products. Maybe that retailer wants to sell a level of value added service, uh, you know, some technical support to accompany that, that license of Symantec. Well, they can do that. They can bundle it on the marketplace. But again, bundling is not easy. So lots of technology and operational challenges um, and from a human element, of course, you know, you're now selling online or if you're selling with a person involved, you know, maybe they're taking on a different role. Maybe it's uh, done maybe more over the phone. Maybe it's an assist, what we call an assisted sale. So they're buying on behalf of the customer. Well, the human element, is still maybe just as important, but the way the the the, the sales agent interacts with the, the, the customer has evolved. So therefore the technology needs to evolve so that the, the staff member can buy on behalf of the customer. And that the ongoing relationship isn't the person walking out the door with their software title, but because it's been purchased online, that's there's that ongoing relationship with the customer and uh, you know the follow up, and the you know the advent of customer success teams to support that customer through the onboarding and, and use journey also brings the change of uh, how uh, you know the, the the team need to be trained and the staff need to be enabled to to support that buyer life cycle. So lots of challenges, but lots of opportunity to to evolve and uh, be even more successful going forward for those organizations out there
0: yeah that's it's me curious to see how that evolves as you mentioned that um in my previous work i think when i was first out of university i went into uh, technology sales we actually worked very closely with semantic uh, and Ingram micro and um one of the things that i learned from that was the just the importance of that human element so i'm going to really i'm going to be very uh curious to see how that evolves alongside these this new world that we're stepping into that's really exciting for me and also you mentioned a little bit about there about how cloud blue got started of course at the start of this conversation we mentioned like uh what cloud blue is working on at the moment and how it functions but like I'm, I'm really curious to know and to really like end the conversation with like what's on the horizon for cloud blue what does the company hope to achieve in the near future as a top priority
1: yeah it's all centered around ecosystems uh, that that's our future we're a technology platform that brings different ecosystems together. I mentioned it at the start, right, the the IP owners, the, the, the tech vendors, and then those selling those, those products to the uh, service providers. And the richness of our ecosystem is at the core of our future. So it's like any network effects, right? The, the concept of N plus one. For every incremental addition to the ecosystem is to the benefit of all even if you go with those social networks right the linkedins or the facebook the value of those social networks is the user base is that network effect if there are more people on it then the more valuable it becomes and it's the same with us the more technology vendors that are onboarded into the platform the greater it is for our service providers so um, we have a continued focus to take that catalog from the hundreds into the thousands and make it easy for service providers themselves to onboard their technologies. Um, I think the other big thing in our own kind of deep digital evolution is the way we've kind of evolved to be more modular and more open. You know, if if I was talking to you about Cloud Blue two years ago, two, three years ago, you know, I would have been talking about a monolithic platform you know if you want cloud blue here's the whole stack today it's very modular. it's the concept of microservices so if i just want the catalog and i've already got my own marketplace no problem just consume that if i just want the marketplace but i already have the products and the catalog i just want that front-end marketplace no problem just to consume that if i want subscription management a billing engine then again it's just those modules I can consume, and you know, it comes back to what we were talking about as what the market is asking for, and as consumers, we're more demanding than ever. I only want to pay for the pieces. I only want to pay for the heated seats, or the the, the color of my car on a different day, and it's those areas that uh, uh, that I, I I want to be limited to uh, uh, being able to pay for. So that's kind of where we're taking it. The strength of the ecosystem and being very much open and agnostic and modular for uh, for a much broader audience to use and consume cloud blue
0: fantastic well i think most of us can get behind the idea of only paying for the things we want or uh, mm-hmm. the things we want to use and yeah hopefully the more people we get on on board with this the the better and now if people are listening and they want to get in contact with yourself or find out more about cloud blue how can they do that what are the best places for them to go to
1: Yeah. Look, cloudblue.com is is rich. Uh, We've invested a lot in our um, website. So that's a good landing page, but happy for people to reach out uh, directly. So um, there's either sales at cloudblue.com or or even myself directly as well. And I'll put you in touch with the right person. That's lincoln.lincoln at cloudblue.com.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for joining me today, Lincoln. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. This is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more episodes just like it, then follow and subscribe to Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube under the channel of our publication, The Sociable. Just search Brains Bite Back and you'll find all of our episodes there. We really love hearing what you have to say. So leave us a review on iTunes or on any other podcasting platform to let us know what you think. You can also reach out on Twitter at at The Sociable. And finally, go to sociable.co where you can find all our episodes and plenty of articles on topics just like this. Thanks again for joining us and until next time, stay safe and stay healthy. Disclosure, this episode contains a client of an Espacio portfolio company.